When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another edition of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I'm Ashley Bastock. I'm filling in for Hayden Grove, who is over in London right now, and I'm here alongside Chris Fedor. And Chris, we had a big night last night, you and I, covering the Cavs' dominating win over the Rockets. They clinched a playoff spot, and obviously it's a little bit of history-making, so let's just kind of start there with the obvious and, and what this means for an organization that's gone through a relatively short, in the grand scheme of things, rebuild now post-LeBron James 2.0 era. Yeah, I thought it was a big deal, Ashley, and I know a lot of people are like latching on to the, well, it doesn't matter since it was 1998 with LeBron. Like, there was a time where the Cavs were one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference just six, seven years ago. Why do you ignore that? And it's like, this was a thing inside the organization. Like, there were legitimate questions internally about could they do it without LeBron James? Could they find a way to build this thing back the right way without that kind of megastar, without that kind of free agency signing? Because during the first post-LeBron era, the Cavs, they didn't know which direction they were going to go. They had Kyrie, they had Tristan Thompson, they had Deion Waiters, but a big part of their return plan was LeBron. They were wondering, like, hey, is this guy going to get sick of Miami? Is he going to be willing to come back in free agency in 2014 and save us once again? And for them to do it without LeBron, for them to do it without a number one overall pick, for them to do it the way that is more difficult, I would say, with a patient approach, shrewd drafting, smart trades, it's a big deal. It's a big step forward for the organization, for them to understand, like, yes, we can do it without him. We don't have to be beholden to one guy specifically. Yeah, you know, it's funny, like, for me, I was six years old or going on six years old. I guess I technically would have been five. I was born in 92. So I, like, don't really have a memory of the last time (laughs) the Cavs were, like, legitimately good without LeBron. And, like, it's funny for me to just kind of, like, remember the conversation even just, like, two or three years ago around the Cavs where it was still, like, among fans a lot based on LeBron. And, like, again, it's, like, this hypothetical idea of, is LeBron going to come back because will the Cavs be so bad they'll be able to draft Bronny James and then LeBron can play (laughs) your, like, it was like this grand narrative that fans had kind of embraced. So like, I I really am just like struck by, I I know you and I used this word last night in our questions, like the magnitude of this, like there is a magnitude of this because it is just kind of affirming that this organization went on the right path immediately, basically immediately after he left in 2018. Yeah. And I mean, think about this, Ashley, not every rebuild is successful. We all understand that, right? I mean, the Sacramento Kings this year look like they're going to be one of the top teams in the Western Conference, but they're about to end a playoff drought of 15 plus years. 
That is a mm-hmm. long time, a lot of mistakes along the way, a lot of missed draft picks. So mm-hmm. you have to do a lot of things right, especially in a market like this, where Cleveland is not a free agency destination, where you have to do it through the draft. You have to find some gems, undrafted guys that can fill your rotation like Dean Wade and Lamar Stevens. You have to make the smart franchise changing trades like Jared Allen, like the one for Lowry Markinen that ultimately led to Donovan Mitchell. Like it is a series of chess moves that you make along the way. But there is no guarantee that when you go into a rebuild and you go to tank a palooza, that all of a sudden it's just going to work out. Um, Orlando hasn't figured it out yet, right? Look at the Houston Rockets. Does anybody feel great about that particular rebuild? The Charlotte Hornets. You know, there are plenty of different examples, the Detroit Pistons even. There are plenty of different examples where you can sit there and say that, okay, they went through the same thing. They tried the same direction and it didn't have the same kind of success. So I give the Cavs a lot of credit organizationally, starting with Dan Gilbert, Kobe Altman, Mike Ganzi, finding J.B. Bickerstaff. And it doesn't mean, Ashley, that they did everything right along the way. There were missteps. There were mistakes in coaching hires. Um, You could argue that they could have drafted some other players as opposed to the guys that they did take. Um, But they're here now, and everything that they did in the post-LeBron era at this point, you can say was a success because they have a legitimate shot at this thing this year. And they have a legitimate shot at this thing, you would think, next year and the year after and the year after. As long as the four core pieces stay together, um, there's a feeling of hope and belief that this organization can be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference and in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. And I know, like, it's, you know, if you haven't read Chris's game story from last night when they actually clinched, go and read it because, you know, some of these mistakes that we're talking about um, are in your lead. You know, we call them ghosts. And there was a very funny conversation between Chris and I last night of what do you do to get rid of ghosts? And we settled on burning sage. Um, I think that's if if I was incorrect in suggesting that, um, don't tell me. I don't want to know because I think it sounds great. Um, But like, like, let's talk about the coaching you know, and some of the changes that have been made because they go with John Beeline. And, you know, we talked about this when we did our lovely um, crossover pod series uh, between us and the Orange and Brown Talk pod and um, deciding which team in Cleveland, which coach in Cleveland we think is poised to win a championship. And we talked about it back then, but this idea Mm -hmm. of the Cavs hired John Beeline when they did and brought in J.B. Bickerstaff at the time with the idea that like, oh, he's going to take over eventually that John Mm -hmm. Beeline has done, you know, most of his career has been successful in working with young college kids. And that's like what they felt they needed at the time. And it obviously didn't work out. And JB steps into that role. So, I mean, bigger picture, what has JB Bickerstaff's importance been with this team that you kind of, you know, gotten to put together day to day these last like three ish years now? I think it's just getting these guys to buy in to a bigger purpose. Um, and, and I think when you talk about coaches in the NBA, um, I guess all of sports, really, Ashley, like so many people focus on the X's and O's. So many people focus on the play calling. So many people focus on the in-game management. How do you use your timeouts? How do you use your challenges? What's your rotation look like? All that kind of stuff, right? But 
I sat down with JB a couple of days ago and I just asked him point blank, like, what do you think is the most important trait to have as a head coach? Like, what do you think defines a good coach? And he didn't say any of that stuff. And I didn't think it was surprising to me, but it was affirmation of like, yeah, that stuff is important, but who can't do that? You know what I mean? Like what it is, is you have to get these guys to buy into a purpose. You have to get these guys um, to believe in something greater than themselves. You have to find a way to manage different personalities and character traits, all those different things. Think about the locker room that's right. that's in the organization. Like, yeah, you have young kids and you have adults and you have to find a way to communicate with all of those guys in a different way that's going to make them believe in you and it's going to make them want to follow you. That's what leadership is. Leadership is a way to communicate in a way that people want to follow. And JB has found a way to do that. And one of the greatest traits that he has is his ability to communicate, his ability to be honest with these guys, his ability to ignore all of the other stuff at times and just say, like, what is it that's going to be best for this organization? What is it that's going to be best for you? And how can I um, do that in a successful way. And to me, that's what stands out to JB more so than anything else is that he is a coach that has found a way to get these guys to believe. Yeah, you know, and it's like what sticks out to me when I kind of pop in and, and help you cover this team occasionally this season, especially um, when JB talks to us even, it's like he almost has this way of even making the mundane in the NBA kind of sound poetic or dramatic, like, and not dramatic in a negative connotation, but like, it's almost like that poetic feel. I know I asked him a question uh, maybe a couple months ago now, maybe in February, January, and he gave this answer about what these guys do. Like people might like to make light of, Oh, these are NBA players are played millions of dollars. They have such a rough life. But like, He's like, no, what these guys do is actually insanely difficult, especially like when you're at that portion of the season of the dog days of January. That is a phrase that gets used a lot in the NBA. Like this isn't easy. And I think like to kind of take it back bigger picture, like it's it kind of shows how hard this is when you look at a stat like this team hasn't been able to do this without LeBron in 25 years. And I think like JB not only is great at like managing personalities, you know, he talked last night after the game about there's not an energy sucker was the term he used on this roster that these guys just seem to buy into him, buy into each other roots, genuinely root for success for each other, um, which we know isn't always the case. That's difficult Mm -hmm. to come by, but it's also like, for me, what's always struck me is this appreciation from him that I think he shows to us, which, you know, makes me even more confident that that it's being said in the locker room repeatedly to keep these guys focused and you know this appreciation of what they're doing almost yeah i think the thing that stands out to me the most about the Cavs is you know who they are and you know what they're about right you know who they want to be um this is a defense first team this is a team that has been built on sacrifice and selflessness mm-hmm. this is a team that is going to compete as hard as anybody else 
in the NBA, like it's a good thing to have a specific identity that when teams play against you, they feel that, they see that, they appreciate that. Um, and JV has brought that to this organization. Um, he has done something that some of these other coaches in past years haven't been able to do. Byron Scott wasn't able to do it, right? Randy yeah. Whitman wasn't able to do it. John Lucas wasn't able to do it. John Beeline, <laughs> after months, just <laughs> mere months, yeah, he realized, uh-uh. This This isn't for me. Yeah, this ain't it. (laughs) No, I can't do this. I can't do this the same kind of way. And actually, I think there are legitimate questions about, like, what is the Cavs ceiling with somebody like JB? But in this stage of this organization's development, he was the right guy at the right time. And if they didn't have him, I don't think they are as successful as they are right now. Yeah, they they have a bunch of talented players. There's no doubt about it. Darius Garland's star turn was a big, big deal. Evan Mobley landing number three in 2021 and being the franchise-changing difference maker that he's been, that was a huge deal. And Jared Allen being the linchpin of this rebuild, a lot of people feel like getting him from Brooklyn was actually the turning point of this thing. And you can go on and on and on with Donovan Mitchell. Um, But talent only takes you so far. This is a connected together team that has a special quality that sometimes is very, very difficult to define. And JB is at the center of it. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And I know you asked JV this last night, but I'm actually curious for me, where were you in 1998? What were you doing in 1998? <laughs> we know JV Bickerstaff was in Corvallis, Oregon, in college yeah. at Oregon State, kind of following, he mentioned following his dad's teams. He was with Washington at the time. What were you yeah. doing? I was graduating grade school, St. Mel grade school <laughs> in West Park. And I was on my way to my first summer uh, going into high school at St. Edward's. Oh, my gosh. Crazy. And now you're here. Not really watching too much of Cavs basketball. (laughs) Not really watching too much of the NBA at that point in time. Uh, Just kind of going about my business as a grade school kid, hoping to make the St. Edward basketball team as a freshman. Oh, my God. Well, (laughs) we've all come such a long way since then. So now that we've looked back, let's let's look forward here a little bit because the Cavs are currently fourth in the Eastern Conference, 48 and 28 after last night. Uh, about two games back from the 76ers and number three, they're 49 and 25 right now. Um, yep. And then you have the Bucks and the Celtics one and two currently. Um, right. So number one, you're going to be heading on your way to Atlanta today. But big picture, we were talking about this before we started recording, like the Cavs, you know, talked last night about their job isn't done yet. Then right. we were talking about the three seed is still in sight. So let's talk about that scenario. Ashley, think about this. So JB brought everybody together in the locker room after what I think was a tame celebration for a team that just clinched a playoff spot. And that was that spoke volumes to me that they didn't, you know, go overboard 
that it wasn't like, hey, we won the NBA championship tonight by clinching the playoffs. It wasn't that yeah. at all. Evan Mobley, like, didn't really care at all. When we no. talked to him, it was kind of <laughs> awesome. Like, I loved it. I, I had the same thought when we were in there. Right. So as JB is breaking everything down and saying, you know, we're not done yet, um, Donovan Mitchell made a point to point out, hey, we're two games back of the three seed. So all of this nonsense about players talking throughout the course of the year about, hey, we don't know where we are in the standings. We don't know who's in front of us. We're not paying attention, blah, 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 blah. All BS. The Cavs know exactly where they stand. They know how far back they are from the Philadelphia 76ers. They know what Philly has left on its schedule, and they know who they have left on their schedule. And I think there is a path to the Cavs taking the third seed. I know it might sound ridiculous because if you think about just a couple of weeks ago when the Cavs lost to Philadelphia at home and Philly took the season tiebreaker, it made you think, no, no chance. Like the Cavs can't get the three seed. They're just too far back. Philly's cushion is too big. Um, But let's look at the reality here. The Cavs have six games left, Ashley, six. Um, Atlanta on the road, home against New York, home against Indiana, back to back on the road against Orlando. And then they finish the year against Charlotte. Of those six, how many do you think they're going to be favored in? That's like the thing, like probably all of them. I right? think all of them. Like, I think all of them. I think they're going to be favored in all of them. As somebody who, as the person who puts together these preview boxes for every yep. game and looks at the odds, I think they're going to be favored in all of these games. They're better than all of the teams remaining on their schedule. They've accomplished more to this point than all of these teams on their schedule. They've been more consistent than every team on the schedule. And they're more talented. Top to bottom, they're just more talented than these teams that they're facing. So the Cavs are going to be favored, I think in all six of their games remaining. If they run the table, I'm not saying they're going to, but if they do and they finish the year on a 10-game winning streak because they've already won four in a row, that means they're at 54 wins, right? Yeah. Philly. Not an easy schedule as I just pulled it up. Not an easy schedule at all. So, like, let's give the context here. Philly has eight more games left. Eight. Cleveland only has six. They have to play at Denver. Home against Dallas, home against the Raptors, at Milwaukee yep. on Sunday, April 2nd, and then two days later have to play home against Boston. Yep. They host Miami, they go to Atlanta, and they go to Brooklyn to end the season on April 9th. I mean, that's right. kind of a gauntlet to have to end the season, especially to play the two teams that are currently one and two back to back. And don't overlook Miami, because at no, that point yeah. in the season, with a few days to go, Miami's probably going to be in a dogfight just to avoid the play-in tournament. Right. So the stakes are going to be very high for Miami. Um, So if you think about those eight games, if the Cavs run the table, that means Philly's got to win five. Yeah. Go five, three in that stretch. And Joel Embiid just said recently, Ashley, that he needs time off down the stretch so that he can rest his calf and he can be better equipped to help them go on a deep postseason run. And James Harden has missed the last three games with Achilles soreness. So that is a gauntlet compared to what the Cavs are facing. And it's funny because, you know, as the Cavs were going through some tough stretches throughout the course of the season, there were people inside the organization saying to me, hey, Chris, 
Look at March. Look at April. We're going to have a chance to finish with some big time momentum. We're going to have a chance to stack wins. Now, the opportunity is there for the Cavs. They've got to capitalize on it. But what I'm saying is, based on the two schedules of the two teams and the states that the two teams are in right now, (laughs) I mean, I would not discount the fact that the Cavs could run down Philly for that third seed in the Eastern Conference, which would be absolutely wild, given how things have transpired throughout the course of this year and, and the view of Philly compared to the view of Cleveland nationally. And the other thing that's caught my eye with the Cavs schedule, like knowing this stretch, is they have yet another stretch where they play against the same team on the road for two straight games. And in the last month, they've had three sets of games like that. You know, they had two back to back with the two games against Miami, two games against Charlotte. They just played two games against Brooklyn. And in those six games, they went five and one. And I think what's also really interesting to kind of be able to close the season out with another two of those is we've heard these guys, especially JB Bickerstaff kind of talk like this is really good playoff preparation, like intangibly in a lot of ways in terms of preparing for a team, seeing the same opponent, yeah. being able to kind of see what those adjustments are going to feel like from, from yourself and from the opposition. So I think that's really going to be beneficial for them too to have those two particular games against Orlando. I agree to a point. Because we know this. There is no duplicating the playoffs. Not in November, not in January, not in March, not in early April. Playoff-like is the most overused cliche, period, in the NBA. (laughs) And the other thing is, like, unless they get the three seed, they ain't playing Miami in round one, right? Right. They ain't playing Charlotte because Charlotte's going to be hoping for Victor Wembanyama. Uh, Brooklyn stinks. Brooklyn is a quote-unquote, postseason team right now by name because 32 of their wins were compiled by Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and a different roster than what they have right now. Totally different, yes. So, um, yes, to a point, I agree with that. What it has done, though, I think even bigger than anything else in terms of playoff preparation, it, it has given them a less chaotic road down the end of the season because the schedule is a grind 82 games. It's a grind back to backs. Very, very difficult. It is very, very chaotic when you mix in the travel, the shoot around the practice days and the Cavs, the way that their schedule is set up with these back to backs late, they don't have to travel as much, right? Mm -hmm. They don't have to put as much on their bodies. There's more time to recover in between games and it's just given themselves um, a little less chaos to deal with than a team for example like Philly who is basically at the end of the season on a west coast road trip which is almost unheard of yeah it's like almost a cruel joke by the NBA schedule gods right and look the Cavs went through it in January it was a hellish January and that's part of the reason why they went eight and eight, but because they had that in January, they were able to get some breaks at the end of the season. And to this point, they have capitalized. They took care of business against Charlotte. They took care of business against Brooklyn and and Washington and Houston. And if they do the same thing down the stretch against these teams that they are better than, that they are likely going to be favored against, then we're talking about potentially 
a 54-win team that puts a ton of pressure on the 76ers. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely going to be. And, like, for me, the 76ers are kind of like this team at this point. Like, I'll I'll believe it when I see it in terms of, like, their ability to kind of make a meaningful postseason run. Like, they just always yeah. kind of, like, sputter out for various right. reasons. And I, I just, I don't know, I just really kind of like the Cavs' chances here to – kind of catch them just given everything currently working in their favor. Like it just seems it's going to be an interesting battle. I think down this last couple of weeks here. And I think there's another layer to it too. Um, I think if you asked both organizations, which one wants three more than the other, I think yeah. it's the Cavs. Yeah, I do too. Because I think like, the 76ers for better and worse, like they've they've been there these last exactly. few years, right? And I think like when you when you have a guy like Joel Embiid who's kind of been around the block, and you heard you know LeBron James talk about this, and we heard him talk about it here. Like I think at that point it doesn't matter to them what yeah. seed they are, and if they're like we're gonna be four and still have home court, like okay, it's not gonna make a difference to them. The Cavs yeah. haven't really collectively done this before; they haven't collectively done it. And I think that makes you like, oh, well, if we can sneak up here in the standings and maybe get a right. more favorable matchup, it's like they have more to play for. Yeah. And I mean, Philly, their clock ticks at a different rate. Yeah. Um, and they have uh, different aspirations, right? Like for the 76ers, it's championship or bust type pressure. Same right. thing for the Celtics, same thing for the Bucks, because their roster could be a lot different next year. Because the luxury tax bill that they're paying is a lot different because of the high price guys on the roster and the ages of some of those players on the roster. There's just a different level of got to do it now more about the playoffs than the regular season. So because of that, you know, they might be willing to say if we have to sacrifice some wins down the stretch to make sure Joel is right for a seven game series. That's better for us. Exactly. If we have to sacrifice some wins down the stretch to make sure that PJ Tucker and James Harden get the kind of rest and recovery that they need as older aging dudes with a lot of miles on their body. Okay, then that's something that we're going to do because it's better for us as an organization. The Cavs aren't in the same kind of situation. Exactly. Well, all right, Chris, you have a flight to catch to Atlanta and awaiting yeah. you in Atlanta, which we have to close out with this. <laughs> is this fantastic new invention for the writers when you go to Atlanta and these amazing magical cups that yes. they have. And we're talking up a cup, but the way Chris talks about these cups, the way they've been explained, I told him he has to bring me back one because they sound just fantastic. So they're magic cups. That's what I call them anyway. Yes. When we don't know the technical people, name. I don't know. When I was talking <laughs> to people in Atlanta I was like, yo, you have any more of those magic cups? And they knew exactly what I was talking about, because this is a thing in the NBA. Reporters that travel to Atlanta to cover games at State Farm Arena, they get these cups and they take them home because they're so spectacular. So the company is Novellus. Um, it is the leading producer of like aluminum and stuff like that. And they've created these cups that the minute that ice goes in there and a drink fills up the cup, you can feel the outer ring and the inside just chilling at a level that you don't get with a regular cup. And it stays that way for hours. 
and it's instant too. So you take your first sip of delicious Coke Zero, and it is so tasty, and it is so frigid, and it lasts that way for the entire, entire game. game. And the same thing works, Ashley, if you're talking about like hot coffee in there as well. So I don't know what the technology is that's way above me, but <laughs> that was the best tasting Coke Zero that I've ever had in my entire life. What we're saying is Chris is going to head back home from Atlanta with at least four of these cups. That's that's the moral of this. That's the moral of this. That's exactly right. They're All going right. to look at me and be like, hey, didn't you already get a cup? You know that you don't have to throw that away. You can reuse that one. And I'm going to say, oh, it was an accident. I didn't mean to throw it away, but it was habit. And then I'm going to do the same thing and grab another one and grab another one and grab another one. And my carry-on is going to be stuffed with magic cups. Yeah, Chris is going to not take anything else to Atlanta with him, <laughs> just so he has room. He's only taken himself and his laptop and his personal item, and then his carry-on bag is going to be That's empty right. and on the way back filled with cups. So That's to right. make sure you can follow along with Chris's reporting from Atlanta and throughout the rest of the season, like we're talking about, folks, this is this is close in the standings. This is crunch time. <laughs> we could see the Cavs move up potentially before the playoffs actually start. So you want to make sure to go to cleveland.com slash Cavs to check out all of Chris's reporting. And you'll see a blue banner at the top of the page. This is what you really want to do is make sure you're getting texts from him because Chris posts most of his inside info to his subtext subscribers. Um, before you get it on Twitter, before you get it on the website, it's only $3.99 a month. You'll get access to all of his subscriber exclusive content on the site as well. So again, blue banner at the top of the page over at cleveland.com slash Cavs. And all right, Chris, have fun in Atlanta. I'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good, Ashley. Enjoyed it.